Admit a little disappointed. I expected Bad Boys to be playing there. That's usually what we bring in Steve Loomis to. Uh, bad Boys, Bad Boys. What you gonna? Well, maybe the reason why Johnny didn't play it is because the police aren't coming for you anymore. Uh, you know, uh, reality is there's just not enough of them. They're not coming anymore. Um, let me give you the background here before I bring Steve in on the national murder rate. It's not New York City or Chicago or L.A. or L.A., which you may have expected as the, quote, murder capital of the world uh, or of the country, but rather the U.S. city with the highest per capita murder rate. And that means, of course, number of homicides uh, per, uh, popu- per, per the population is New Orleans, followed by Baltimore and then Birmingham, Alabama. Police records, or excuse me, police records from cities with populations over 200,000 revealed a surprising result in the murder rates of the top 31 cities. New York and L.A. are near the bottom of the list, while Chicago is in the middle. Even though Chicago has an astounding number of murders, it's a very highly populated city. So by per capita standards, um, they're just in the middle. Near the top of the list, however, is Cleveland. Cleveland is joined by St. Louis, Milwaukee, and Rochester, New York, uh, uh, as what some might consider a surprise. The top six cities in uh, murder rates per capita this year are New Orleans, Baltimore, Birmingham, St. Louis, Milwaukee, and ding, 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 there it is, Cleveland. Now, the number that they associate with this rate rating may not be accurate, though. They say that there have been, through June 20th of this year, 64 murders in the city of Cleveland. Based on its population, that's a rate of 16, uh, yeah, 16.9. But uh, I have a feeling that those numbers might not be up to date. And joining us now to talk about exactly what that means and about the problem with policing in the city of Cleveland and staffing is former Cleveland Police Patrolman Association President Steve Loomis. Steve, good to have you back. How are you, sir? Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. So we'll get into the city council meeting that was held on Wednesday as they addressed the staffing issue, which uh, you and I have talked about many times on the air and off the air, Steve. But mm-hmm. to to the before we get into the staffing, I want to talk about the rate of crime in Cleveland, particularly the rate of violent crime. Violent crime is up all over the country, in usually in large Democrat-run cities, large urban city centers with Democrat leadership, not just in the present, but for a very, very, very long time. Cleveland, I think, fits that bill, and we see a lot of violent crime on the rise in general. What is your what is you how do you react rather to the list that I just read as far as Cleveland being the sixth most uh sixth highest uh murder rate per capita in the country? Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, we've been in the top 5 or 6 um for decades. <laughs> you know, um it's per 100,000 residents. And um these are problems that are, are easily fixed. I mean, we can we can make improvements in those things. You just have to have the political will to do it, and that's what we're lacking here in Cleveland right now is a political will. We have 101 homicides today. This date last year, we had 100. So we're right on pace with what we where we were last year. And last year, I think we were third um, uh, for the homicide rate per 100,000 residents. So, What's the... Uh, um, what's the what's... 
what's the record? Because I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I've had you on last year at some point. And you said it was a new record that broke the record set the year before. Uh, are, are we kind of in that we're in that in that place right right now, where each year that goes by it goes up a little bit more? Well, yeah. I mean, we're definitely not in a good place. Uh, in 2021, we had 189 um, homicides. You know, so when you're a city of 340, 350 thousand people, depending on who you want to listen to. And you're doing, uh, you have a homicide rate like that. Nothing good is going on with regard to now, um, us being able to to take care of it. Now, now homicides are one measure, um, which, like I said, I focused on because I saw this sto- this uh, re- this survey uh, of the of the biggest cities and in, in the highest uh, uh, murder rates per capita. But it's not just homicide, right? We're talking about other violent crimes yeah. as well. Do you? I don't know if you have any statistics, but you're in the streets. You see it on a regular basis. Can you talk about the other violent crime and where it is in the, in the city? Well, not, not specifically with numbers, but I can tell you this. Uh, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. Um, the only thing that you can judge a, a city's crime rate on is homicides because that's the only number that whoever's doing the statistics can't cook if, if that makes any sense we have bodies we have families there's no way that you can lie about that there's Sorry no about way this, that Steve, you can lie. that's okay there's no way that you can can uh fudge that statistic and um so if you watch the homicide rates in this city and other cities um there the the violent crime rates will follow and we have in cleveland we are blessed with Best hospital system in the country, by far, in my opinion, anyhow. And a great EMS and fire system. All our firemen or paramedics or EMTs, the, you know, so we get to people very quickly. And they save a lot of lives. If not for that, um, our homicide rate would be astronomical. Yeah, uh, we're talking with Steve Loomis, former president of the Cleveland Police Patrolmen's Association, uh, now, of course, a detective and continuing to. um, And by the way, uh, congratulations on your part in solving the murder of Officer Bartek. I know you did the uh, uh, the initial interrogation and and secured the confession of Tamara McCloyd, who was just convicted and is now facing life in prison without the possibility of parole. So. You're right. Yeah, in the, yeah and, and I'm so glad, you know, justice is done for our Officer Bartek's family. Nothing, of course, will make it uh, right, and nothing will make him come back. But yes. um, but congratulations on that. Well, I, I appreciate that. I just want to, just on that note, since you brought it up, um, that was a huge effort. Um, the Richmond Heights is actually, the cops in Richmond Heights and the chief in Richmond Heights allowed their officers to continue to chase Shane's car, and that really is, uh, what broke the broke the case? So it's it's not just one person or one interview. There was a whole bunch of wheels moving in that process, and um, and we had a good ending for it for the family. And, yep, and that's exactly. what it's all about. So the best I ending you that. can hope for in a situation like that. Yeah, and and, and I'm glad you uh, brought up the other officers as well. Now, to that end, it being a team effort, every time there's crime, let's talk about what the team looks like here in the city of Cleveland. I want to play a little clip here. This is, I believe, uh, Councilman Mike Polensic at Wednesday's uh, council meeting addressing police staff. We need to work collectively to get more classes on, um, and we need to include that in the budget. Unfortunately, it was not included in the, in the previous budgets. Um, 
to bring on additional officers. Public safety. How bad is the uh, the situation? Uh, well, according to what City Council uh, discussed on Wednesday, you are budgeted for one thousand six hundred forty officers, and I always like to refer to the, or, or repeat that word budgeted. That means you don't have to get another grant. You don't have to ask for money from the state or the feds or or, any, or raise city income taxes or anything of that nature. It's already in the budget. And you are 282 officers below that budgeted amount. Um, Steve, how does that impact the job you're able to do, you and, and the other, you know, uh, 1,358 officers on the force in Cleveland? It's, it's, it's huge. I mean, it, imagine what we could do with 300 more cops right now. Um, we're, we're struggling. These, these young officers out in these districts, there's five districts, there's three shifts in each district, and there is not one shift in any of those districts where there's not at least three people working on their day off, working mandatory overtime. Sometimes it's up to six or seven um, folks. You are going to burn these guys out. And what type of work product, if you're working, uh, you know, 20, 30 hours of overtime a week, um, that just increases the possibility that you make a mistake. You know, it's there's nothing good going on here. And Bob, they've known forever. When I was the union president, I would send them a, uh, an annual letter, the city of Cleveland, an annual letter um, discussing these issues. We knew this is mathematics. We know if you hire four or 500 cops five, uh, uh, 25 years ago with under Mike White, um, that those four or 500 cops are getting ready to retire right now. And I'm one of them, you know? So, so there was no planning. It was just mismanagement um, at, at a magnificent level. And that's not the chief. The chief does the best that he can do with the resources that he's given. But for Mike Kalendick to sit there and say, oh, you know, this is a huge problem that just sprung up on us. No, he's part of the problem. You know, he retired, is collecting a retirement check, and is getting paid by the city of Cleveland to do the exact same job that he did before. And... We can't get a decent raise in this. You know, it's a missed opportunity, um, and but it has nothing to do with the money, and it never has. You've never heard me on your show complaining about money. But when you're in a problem like this, and you can't attract people, and you can't retain people, um, money is an issue. You know, but the the city they came, they gave the uh, the cadets a dollar an hour raise, so now they're making what a a, a burger flipper. At, McDonald's is making, you know, 16 bucks an hour. Um, it, it's a it's a ridiculous notion. And the biggest problem is that these officers are more fearful of this consent decree, this, the, 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 the leadership in disciplining and trying to charge police officers, you know, just this national false narrative. Um, that's the, that's the biggest problem here. When you have, you know, more police officers fired in the city of Cleveland in the last three years than you did the previous 10, there's a problem there. You know, and those are political firings, and most of those folks are getting their jobs back. You don't hear about that in the media, but they do, which is why they don't want the unions around, why they want to mess around with language to help this issue 24 nonsense. Imagine that. You and I, imagine you and I sitting on a medical review board Judging what some surge a mistake some surgeon made, that's exactly what these folks are. They have no idea at all what 
what life is like out in the streets. They're unforgiving. The life in the streets is well, unforgiving but, but, for the police officers. But let's take that, yeah, and, and let's let's take your comparison there and put it into some context. Most people wouldn't have an uh, intrinsic bias against surgeons looking for something that they did wrong, and yet the people that are appointed to these review boards are very deliberately chosen. Uh, they're activists, anti-police activists in most cases, who want to be there to quote-unquote find and correct all of the bad policing and the racism and the you know uh, systemic uh, uh, bias that they have in the police force. That's the problem here. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, you have people out there who are going to be judging the actions of the officers without having the expertise to know what the officers are trained to do and yet automatically have a bias uh, against them. And that's what makes it even more difficult, which is why I'm sure one of the reasons, as you pointed out, money is one of them, but support uh, for the jobs that they do, especially in difficult times when difficult decisions have to, made, have to be made, I'm sure is what's uh, you know leading so many of them to uh, either retire, as you say, just resign and go work somewhere else. Um, it's it's impossible. So, Steve, is this exactly is what's happening right. in Cleveland just you know an example of the the uh, abolishing of police departments or the defunding of police departments, not by literally taking funds away, but by attrition and just uh, and just yeah, we're, not, we're not sure. replacing anyone. Um, we're turning into Portland or Seattle. Um, our consent decree, as a matter of fact, is an exact replica of Seattle's consent decree. Okay, if you want to talk about that for two seconds. That thing was supposed to be a three-year, four-year, maybe five-year um, deal. Um, we're still non-compliant, according to these federal monitors, who, by the way, are making $250 an hour to work on this thing. The city of Cleveland pays millions of dollars a year, millions of dollars a year, to support the, the folks that are monitoring our progress here um, as far as the consent decree goes. They have no... Uh, they have no intention of getting out of here anytime soon because they're going to be out of their $250 an hour job, right? So they're not motivated to to uh, work towards that end. Um, and, and now we have issue 24. You know, the, the, the folks at Cleveland, we're, we're sold a bill of goods on this thing. You have activists on there. You have civil rights attorneys on there by statute. You have people that were... That's what uh, I mean by bias. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a family member had to be killed by the Cleveland Police Department. You know who you don't have? You don't have the, the, the fourth-generation African-American uh, father that just retired from Florida that lives out in Lee Harbor. You don't have the, 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 uh, the guy that just re- retired from Delco, from Chevy, you know, that's been living in Cleveland for four or five generations out in West Park. You don't have those folks out here. You have people that have no stake in the game uh, other than to the, the push their biases against the police department. So right. the city of Cleveland has done it smartly because they never came out, Frank Jackson, never came out and said, we're going to defund the police. But what have they been doing year after year after year? Reducing our numbers, reducing our budgets, and that's where Polenzic comes in. So for him to sit there like a deer in the headlights, like, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? While his ward is blowing up in a gang, in, in gang uh, uh, wars out there, um, is absolutely disingenuous, especially given the fact that he's uh, uh, um, been here for so long. And he is the safety director or the safety committee chairman. So he knows what's going on. He gets these reports. He gets these staffing levels. 
um, because the cameras are on and they're at a meeting, now all of a sudden, oh, we got to do more to attract people. Stop, Mike. Let's fix this and stop politicizing it. Um, you know, you can redeploy the guys that you have. You can put two cars in every zone on day shift and afternoon shift. Um, and, and let's get to work. Leave those cars in those zones. Those cops will take ownership of that zone. Who the good guys are, they'll know who the bad guys are. They'll know who the kids, the kids will know them by name. And that's what we're missing here. We're not reaching out to our kids in any way, shape or form, you know, so um, the the solution there are solutions that can make things better that we could do right now. How much no of this, Steve? Will to do it. Steve, how much of this is uh, especially when you talk about putting two cars in every zone and uh, during these peak hours? How much of this is up to not the politicians but the chief, the new chief? What is your thought on him? Um, the, the oh, Chief Drummond. Yeah, Chief Drummond. Chief Drummond is a good guy. Um. Does he? What I'm asking is, is he? You know, is, can he make these decisions that you're talking about as far as you know how how and where to deploy? Um. Yeah. Sure. I, I suppose he could recommend it. Of course, the chief of police doesn't run the police department in Cleveland. The, the mayor runs the police department. The safety director runs the police department. Politicians run the police department. Um. And and that's unfortunate because. Um, Chief Calvin Williams and Chief Drummond, I'm sure, is going to do the best he can with the resources that he's given. The problem is that the politicians aren't giving him the resources that he needs. We sh- there's no way we should be 300 cops below our budgeted strength. Like I said, that's math. We know who's retiring. We have an idea of who's retiring in the next couple of years. Um, so let's get busy and let's start attracting some people here. And you can't yeah. do that. Um, in, in a day, you can't do that by going to the barbershops on the east side or the barbershops on the west side. You have to present a program um, that's going to want that, that, that's going to entice young kids to come and take this profession. We knew, I knew Bob when I took this job that I wasn't going to get rich doing it. It was a calling, as 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 weird as that sounds, and it is. For Doesn't sound weird at all. No, to do what you do to. Everybody who's ever put on that badge and put on that vest and uh, and carried that sidearm, absolutely it is a calling. Yeah. And I, I firmly understand. It doesn't sound weird at all. Steve, I'm out of time, uh, but I'm glad you were able to shine a spotlight on this, and hopefully the citizens of Cleveland will get into the ears of their members of council and get into the ears yes. of the of the young mayor and tell them exactly what uh, you know what is needed here because the people of Cleveland deserve better and the police well, of Cleveland the, deserve the better citizens, as well. So. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. The citizens should be considering right now a council reduction because we don't well that's that's decades in the making too that's that's something should have been done a long time ago as well instead of reducing the number of police officers and budgets reduce the number of council members because it is absolutely useless uh, to have that kind of number for this for this population city Um, council will point a finger at the mayor and say hey he's the one that's not hiring them well they're the ones that control the first strings so they can apply whatever pressure they need get that done and they're not doing it they're not doing it they ignored the situation until somebody gets killed in their ward steve loomis a former president of the cppa gotta go my friend thank you for the information we'll talk soon and i live here too i know you do i know you do thank you steve 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.